Welcome to the Prickly Couch podcast where three mujeres have real conversations. We'll share our stories and talk about wellness, familias, work, and everything in between in our experiences as Latina women. Hi, y'all. Welcome to the Prickly Couch. This is your host, Gaby Hurtado. Also in the line, Karen or Karen. Hey, this is Josie. Well, today we want to talk a little bit about um, our relationships, how we each met, what brought us to do this work. Um, so we'll have a, some conversations and questions, some thoughts about not only our relationship and how this project got started, but also um, how to build community and support. Um, yeah, so thank you and welcome Let's to our um, Let's do it. Yeah. Let's talk about it. <laughs> so for everybody that's <laughs> listening to this and maybe following follows us on social media, um, we have a private practice, uh, Prickly Parent Therapy and Training, um, and we have been in business for about two years, actually exactly two years this month. And um, yeah. And uh, we're amazing. No, just kidding. <laughs> it's a great therapy in business now. Um, and, and it's a Sunday when we're recording, so we're a little bit. It's been a long weekend. Like, Should we just? Yeah, yeah. Let's just check in real quick because, like, we're like. <laughs> I think so too. Yeah, we're like, uh, it's like what? Who are we? <laughs> this is not happening to me every time we record something. I don't know where I am. Aiden, how are you doing? Let's just do check-ins and then we'll, we'll jump back into the topic. How are you doing, yeah, I, I think that's good. I, that's a good idea. Um, I'm, doing, I'm doing good. Um, I was telling Gabby and my sister came over for the weekend to her, with her dog, Teddy. And our puppies are from the same the brother, litter. right? Yeah, yes, they're, they're from the brother. same litter. So they were playing all the whole time. They're play fighting oh. with each other. And she left. It's... 5.30 now, so she left around 2.30 p.m., and he, Storm has been sleeping since then. Storm is my, my puppy, <laughs> so he was so tired. Who, by the way, has his own IG page. Yes, he has his own you IG. Should follow. <laughs> La, wait, what was it again? Um, uh, pequeña underscore tormenta. There you go. <laughs> Shout out. Yeah. yeah. Shout out. A, a shameless Storm. plug. <laughs> how are you? How about, how are you, Josie? Uh, I'm doing okay. We had, um, it's Sunday. So, you know, like you, you start to shift down, right? Like today's the week to do the transition. Sunday's the transition from last week to next week. So um, I feel like I'm, I'm a little revved up. Um, we did a trailer. We got our trailer. Woo woo. So I think last time we recorded, we hadn't gone to Santa Fe yet, and we hadn't picked up our trailer. We couldn't talk about it. Um, so we went up and, and uh, drove to Santa Fe and picked up that bad boy, um, which was crazy because it's a big-ass trailer. And we were like, as soon as we got out of the house where we bought it, it was like mountains. It was like spiral, spiral mountains. So we were like, ah! <laughs> but we made it. We made it back. Um, and then we did this, yeah, last night we went and stayed at, um, a trailer park in, uh, RV, like, resort, they're called RV resorts, you know, more fancy, um, mm -hmm. right at the lake, 
it was really pretty. So we stayed there for the night. Um, so that was exciting. Uh, but we, I literally just got home and walked in the door before I sat down to do, to do this. So all the things I have to prepare for for the week and my boys start in in-person school tomorrow. So that's freaking huge. I think last time we spoke, they had just started school. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I don't know, we're going to keep them home. Uh, it's been a whole month of them at home, virtual learning. I'm like, it's time for them to go. <laughs> <laughs> like after one week, I was like, I don't know, y'all, guys, no, no. It was not sustainable. It was, it was, I love them, but being their teacher for both of them all day long, it was craziness, shenanigans. Partly the reason why we haven't been able to record all month because it was just fucking chaos. So they're going back to school tomorrow. Yay. I'm excited about that. <laughs> it's been a long month. Oh my it God. It has been. So Gabby is further along in your pregnancy. Gabby, how are you doing? I'm 34 weeks Go pregnant today. Um, so getting there. I also got some strange reaction to pregnancy <laughs> this past week where I had a rash in my body. I was feeling gutted about it. Um, so I was on vacation this last week and it's, it's a lot better, but it's all the discomfort now of just waiting for baby to get here um, and trying to wrap things up and be ready. Um, so I think it's really, yeah. Six weeks. I think so close. I mean, yeah. six Soft. weeks if the baby stays. Soft. If the baby stays. Right? So it could be two to like everybody's been telling me like it could be like two to three more weeks. So so I'm trying to get all my ducks in a row, which has been interesting with low energy and not in limited amounts of coffee. Um so I feel that baby brain, I always thought it was a myth but it's very real and it's here. And so, yeah, my, my, yeah, I have to take a little while to focus and regroup every time I change tasks. So it's been interesting, but excited, I think tired, um, impatient. Yeah. So a little bit of everything Mm -hmm. feels like it's been a year since last month. Um, Mm -hmm. but here we are and I'm also getting ready to move in two weeks. So, yes. and family starts arriving. Your first house. So, first house. Yay, it's very exciting. exciting. But each, um, everything will happen at the same time. So, uh, we'll be closing on a house. Baby will be here. Family arrives, and it's happening. So, yeah, I'll feel a little bit all over the place. That's yeah, nice. like we're here for you. Thank yeah. you. I will say my. My prickly team has been my rock right now. Um, I don't know what I would, my mind would be without y'all. Um, oh. It's been crazy. That's you. You know, I was just thinking you, we should do an episode before you have this baby uh, on pregnancy. And then we should do a post just so we have it recorded. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, That'd I be awesome. I think we should because um, everybody's pregnant. Um, yeah. It's weird. I went to Target to get, you know, you have to get like, they're coming 
home outfit or whatever, and there weren't any outfits for newborns at a Target. Oh wow! Really? They're all out. I found like one set because it has to. It had to be like a bigger onesie. They told us so, so he was not cold because he was gonna be November. Blah blah blah. And so I was like, okay, cool. So we just wanted something quick and grab to go, and there weren't any. No, you just knew. So, it's so crazy are to me. Are multiplying. Right? It's so crazy to me how the last time I saw you, there was just no baby. And now, the yeah, next I time I see you, it'll probably be a baby, and it might be a, a bigger baby than I expected, because yeah. you know, who knows when it, that will be. <laughs> Because I don't think we've talked about this, but the last time we all saw each other in person was probably January. December? You and I saw each other in January, Josie. But when did we do our, I think we did, didn't we do a team? Yes, we did a team brunch. Was it January? January or February? January, uh, February. I think it was January because I left February 5th. Yeah, okay. it was January. Yeah. January. I have the, we had the picture. We do. Yeah. So we haven't been ten. We haven't seen each other in ten months. Yes, me. Oh. And then I had a baby. So, well, I'm having you. So. Well, we're missing your whole pregnancy. I'm so bummed. Not that you would let me touch you all up on you, but I. Love <laughs> She's you. like, no, no. <laughs> he knows me well. Yeah. It would be so hard. Maybe it's a good thing we're in quarantine. I'd be it's all. Like- it doesn't bother me if it's people that I know, but like, you know, when you're pregnant, people well, glad or strangers know, and I would ask consent first. And I don't react well to that. Um, <laughs> and it's not because this happened in Mexico as well. Like it's, it's everywhere. I'm like, don't mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. But we missed it. I'm so sad. I, I might need to grieve. <laughs> Okay, you'll have like forever with this kid. I'll just drop it. <laughs> you can take care of him. Still take care of him. <laughs> My son, he's turning five. Oh, wow. Yes. That's kid now. In a few days. So we're, gonna, we're planning his quarantine party. Uh, we're getting a raspa truck for him too. So we'll have raspas. And then he, was, he wanted a, a kiss birthday party. <laughs> That is awesome. like a, yes like he's a rocker he like puts on the little phone and he like it rock music like heart- i love that <laughs> so he wants like a kiss birthday party so i bought him like decorations with rock like guitars and i bought him a kiss shirt to wear for his birthday you can do i love that that's so awesome yeah yeah it's a secret but that's what we're gonna do for halloween we're gonna be all of us like, we're gonna be the kiss crew <laughs> I need Star, I star Child. Is it Star Child? I think I'm Star Child. We already picked Robert's Demon. I can't remember their names. Oh, uh, I think something's Cat Boy or whatever. He, whatever he is. Who, whoever's Kiss fans out there, might be butchering their names. <laughs> <laughs> and don't tell anyone; it's a secret. <laughs> we're gonna be Kiss because Santi loves Kiss right now. So, yes, my baby's turning five. So they'll be five years apart. Exactly, Gabby. Exactly. That's crazy. Exciting. Yay. Very well. But things are moving along. Life is continuing, which is exciting, but it's been a weird, a weird time. Um, So I think let's talk about the last two years when life was not weird like this. And we Mm -hmm. all met. Um, cause we met separately. I met Josie 
several years ago. And then as I was working on some projects, I met Garen. Right. Um, talk a little bit about how we all ended up. I have the picture. So we met, Gabby and I, you and I met at the Latina Researchers Network, at Austin networking event. Mm -hmm. so the Latina Researchers Network is a network of Latina researchers. <laughs> <laughs> I was um, actively involved um, with them for several years. Actually, I started with them when I was pregnant with Yuki, I think, mm -hmm. seven now. Um, and so we were doing this thing where we were hosting, like all of us who were part of the LRN kind of leadership board, we would host um, networking events in our local communities. And so I, I was like, oh man, I did mine like right by my house. I was like, okay, I got to schedule it like at a convenient time before I have to go to daycare down my street of my house like five minutes away and a few people came which I was surprised I mean of course we we always find each other Latinas right we're always looking for each other trying to connect um and that's where I met Gabby I have the picture of that day oh I don't I don't think I've ever seen it because there was somebody else with us yeah there was somebody else with us. I don't know I don't know I remember her name there were a couple people but I have the one with that picture of it's just we should put that in social media. <laughs> we should put it. Well, I'll make a scrapbook. <laughs> I don't even have a scrapbook for my kids. I swear, I try to make one and it never happened. So I joined LRN when um, I was a graduate student in Toledo. And so I went to the second LRN, LRC, the conference. Right, the in conference. New York. Uh, in because so, yep. I had Luki on my hip. I had Lukito on my hip. He was a baby. He was only eight months. Mm -hmm. so it was 2014. Yeah, I was, um, yeah, I was, I was, I went to New York because I was applying, I was thinking about applying for an internship and I wanted to connect with people, but also I had never seen or been around PhD level Latinas at that time. There so were like cool. several hundred of us mm -hmm. um, from all over the country. We had people from all over really come. Sylvia Mazula, Dr. Sylvia Mazula out of um, John Jay University was the like the lead um, executive director of Latina Researchers Network. And then she started this whole thing. Um, I came on at that second conference too. I think I had started volunteering a year before that. <clears throat> and then came on um there and was there running around behind the scenes like like a loca right with a baby with me it was pretty great um so we didn't get to meet at that conference so we were both there we yeah met a little bit later yeah so i went to that conference and then there was the one in san antonio mm -hmm. yeah so, that, mm -hmm. and we didn't and i think after that that's when we you, you guys organized the um the local events and I was like okay so I'm gonna try to connect with people um because I couldn't stay for that full conference in San Antonio because I had to come back because I was working at an agency um and so yeah that one was that one was so they're really great we we're kind of Latino researchers networks kind of on hiatus with right all the all the things and it was completely volunteer run right um so hopefully we'll get that back in and going soon. Um, it was such an important network for um, Latino researchers from across disciplines, um, from across the country. We even had people like in China following us. Um, like it was a huge network, so important. 
so needed. Um, the, I think the key thing was the cross-discipline yeah. um, piece that you had people from, I mean, all walks of life with disciplines. You had students, you had um, tenure professors, we had an advisory board who were all like the main chingonas and um, in research, right, which was really amazing and cool to be a part of. Um, so it was, um, it's an amazing network, um, kind of sleeping, sleeping right now, but um, we'll see when it gets back up again, back and running, but it helped, it brought us to each other, so that was cool. Yeah, I thought that's, that's so awesome. like, you guys are such a success story, y'all need to talk about this. Um, yeah, it's so true. It good, but it, it was a good space, because I think for be, to, before then, to me, the idea of like successful Latina researchers, um, it was kind of mythological. I hadn't seen that. Um, I know of Patricia Redondo um, at Arizona State University, but I've never met her. Um, so I had seen, I have heard of people, but I had never seen them. Um, and I think that really mattered. Um, so then I really wanted to connect with Latinas here in Austin, um, went to radio and we met and, we had good conversations. I think we were both, we were talking about how passionate we are about trauma-informed care and some of the shortcomings that we were seeing in the community and some of the things that we wanted later on, which I think it's, it became like a bear uh, sure, yeah. therapy. Yeah, so. before that we were doing a research project. So you worked, you were working together on the um, participatory action research project mm -hmm. um, with Dr. Delia Sanchez here and she's out of UT Austin mm -hmm. working at with middle school we had a, a group of mixed um, Latina and black um, youth they were sixth graders that we were working with and doing a sexual health using participatory action research to increase um, awareness on sexual health and cultural identity um, that was a cool project so Gabby joined us on that and was one of the facilitators. Did you do two semesters, Gabby, or just one? I did one because I was wrapping up my postdoc. So when oh, we met, I was working right. at agency, and I was in my clinical postdoc, and then I transitioned to a research um, postdoc on uh, suicide prevention and grant writing, um, program development and evaluation. And so um, I was doing that, and as that was wrapping up, you and I connected, and I started, I jumped into that project, and um, at that time, a long time ago, I thought, you know, I wanted this research career, maybe a tenure track position. So I connected with some people at UT Austin and um, I started working there also um, and teaching. Right. So what got in the way of me continuing the white part project was that I was teaching at Texas State. That's right. You had to commute all the way down to Texas State, which is like, for those of you not from Austin or Texas, it's like an hour and a half from where you live, no? Dos horas. And you were doing that like crazy every twice a week, three twice times a week. Mm -hmm. And you'd be there all day. From six in the morning or seven all the way until seven at night. It was crazy. I was teaching two classes, but four sections. So I was teaching four sessions each day. Um, mm -mm. I was telling Karen, I love, wow. <laughs> I love some of my classes there. Uh, I enjoy the students, um, but yeah, I didn't. It was not sustainable after a while. So then, at that point, I was um, doing some suicide prevention research at UT, and that's how Karen and I met. Actually, yes, I am. Yes, I think the network you were talking about. I think it's so important. Uh, Gabby is actually the first person like first Latina with a PhD that I have 
that I had met or come across with and actually had a conversation with. So I thought that was very, it's, uh, it's very interesting how you all connected that way, but we also connected that way in some way. Um, but yeah, I met Gabby through a project while I was an undergraduate student because I didn't know why, but everybody was saying I needed to do research. So I panicked on my saw, no, junior year. Going to my junior year, I panicked and I looked at a website and I found this project that I was interested in. So I applied to be an uh, undergraduate RA. And it turns out that in that project, Gabby was also working there. Um, and she was the first Latina PhD um, person that I have ever met. That's amazing. That's yeah. amazing because I want to pause there because we're in Texas, so I know um, working with Latina Researchers Network, and I was with the national organization, a lot of times there was assumption that you would, you know, that we had fluent access to mm-hmm. Latina, Latino, Latinx professors, right? And I also went to, I went to my undergraduate, my master's at Hispanic Serving Institutions, and all the departments I was in, there was maybe, maybe one. Um, and this, like, it's it's a thing. Like, even though we're geographically mm-hmm. in Texas, which is a you know predominantly, or I'm not sure predominantly, but there's quite a big numbers of Latinx individuals mm-hmm. here. Um, they're not rep- we're not represented in higher education at all. At all. Like, and I think. What's our percentage? It's like three percent. Uh, I know of psychology. Three percent of uh, all PhDs are Latinas. Three percent. Three percent of across disciplines. PhDs in the U.S. Yeah. Three wow. percent. Right. So there's so anyone out there thinking about doing PhD, talk to us. Let us look. We will talk. We will support yeah. you because there's not many of us at all. And so how powerful that is that in that like Gabby was. Your first one, our, and you were already what junior senior? I was, yeah, I was in my third year college. Wow, yeah. at a big, at a big university, at a big university, at a, at a tier one institute. Yeah. I didn't know That's that. Nuts. I didn't know that I was the first Latina PhD you met. Yeah, you said that earlier, and I'm like, wow, Gabby is really the first one. <laughs> yeah, That's amazing. Yeah, and I don't. Now that I think about it, I think at UT maybe two more um, Latina or Latino professors. And then when I went to like view graduate schools and I went to go Mm -hmm. talk to professors, I think only one of them was a Latina. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that for me was my saving grace. I went and I found um, a mentor who was Latina, um, a clinical community psychologist, Dr. Julia Pendilla, who has now passed, but we'll have to do a whole episode just on her. She's definitely amazing. Um, and that was like, she was my, she, she was my, she was my angel. She was my saving grace through, um, through my PhD program. It was just amazing, amazing to have her. I know it made a huge difference for me and so many of us. So after I, I was the first Latina in her, her research lab, and then by the time I left, we had brought in like four. And so there was like a little cohort. I was, there hadn't been that many Latinas together at the same time in a PhD, in our PhD program. There was always a running joke that like they would wait until one of us left and then bring another Latina because we were just too much. Um, but then the 
the years that I was there, we were able to bring in, I'm pretty sure it was four of us all together. And that was amazing. Um, we're so underrepresented, right? And it was like people like Julia who were intentionally like, I'm not going to only pay attention to scores, SAT scores or these scores or that scores. Like, I want to meet this individual, I'm gonna, you know? Um, and so we had a couple um, mujeres in our research team who were single moms or who were, mom, you know, moms in general, which is moms in a PhD program is amazing, mm-hmm. you know? And so, like, but she was, like, adamant, like, because of this, right? There's so many barriers, um, so that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. And I and, think, go ahead. Again. Oh, no, go for it. No, I was going to say what I think is interesting is that, you know, we're talking about Texas, one of the ones uh, states with the largest percentage of Latinos, right? First and second generation. And mm-hmm. then, you know, I was in Arizona um, in undergrad, and I was very uh, lucky to find an advisor who was Latino. Um, and I do agree that I think to me that was my saving grace, um, too that convinced me and really talked to me about the possibility even of going to grad school. That was something that I hadn't even thought of it um, being an option or what I would do with that. So then in having conversations with them and sharing space, I met other people um, that, you know, now have their PhD, uh, doctors Juventino Hernandez, Dr. Bianca Villalobos, who at some point we'll have in the podcast, we're close friends. among other folks. And there was a couple of graduate students at the time um, that were very intentional about um, taking care of us and really mm-hmm. coaching us to get to um, graduate mm-hmm. school and be successful and provided support throughout the years. Uh, Ian Villalta and um, Jerry Sar. And creating that community really made a change. But then I think at a point too, I thought that was normal because everybody at ASU in my lab, mm. in my microcosm, was Latino and got it. Supportive. Mm-hmm. Supportive. Right. Yeah. And understood my background, right? So understood mm-hmm. that I was an immigrant student, international student, understood the what that entailed mm-hmm. and um, knew kind of what are the things that, what are some of the criticisms or things that would come up um, as I was being evaluated. And then I moved to the Midwest. Um, and my advisor in grad school was a Latino man. Um, and I think he was supportive. Um, and also it was only a couple of students of color in the program. Um, and so that completely, I think, changed the dynamic of things. Um, it's a predominantly white space, right? Yeah. 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 See, I, I, when I went to, uh, Georgia, similarly, what you said, we had, um, I had a couple of grad students who were a year or two or even three ahead of me. They weren't necessarily Latinas, um, but they were um, women of color. Um, and so that was huge because they reached out and they pulled me aside, hey, Josie, da, 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 how's it going, blah, 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 right? And so like we would do, and, and coincidentally enough, they we all volunteered at the organization Julia found. It was that coming on Latino. Again, we'll do another on them because they're amazing everyone should know about them um but we do like pizza and drinks after every group we had groups wednesday nights and we would like go and then we'd just be like crying or but we had our like community of grad students they were amazing they're now in new york um and are just uh, psychologists and doing their own thing but um yeah yeah like that piece is is huge so then we would do that for the folk like we would try to do that for the 
grad students that came behind us too, um, and some just support each other through because it is the navigation of predominantly white space, um, and and that culture shock. It was still, it was for me. It was a culture shock because I went from University of Texas Antonio, another Hispanic institution. Yeah, it was really diverse. I only had there was only one, two Latino professors. One of them, my mentor, one of my advisor there, um, in the department. And, um, but then I went to, when I went to Georgia State, it was like a culture shock. It was a predominantly white institution, like in terms of culture and, mm-hmm. and all the things, right? And so that was, that was hard to navigate. Yeah. And I will say, when we're thinking of Arizona State, right, we're thinking about, yes, it's a, a, a community where there's a lot of Mexicans, a lot of Latinos, but it's still, the culture is very white. So having that space, right, as an undergrad, mm-hmm. um, allowed me to a lot, and this is something we'll talk in a different <laughs> podcast episode, but allowed me to understand a lot of the dynamics that coming into the country um, by myself, I had no idea. And so mm-hmm. um, it was very interesting to unlearn a lot of stuff during those four years and then have that not be present during grad school or like feel like it was missing, mm-hmm. but that experience of grad school we talk about a different time I think all these relationships with people that understand you and understand your background are, are very important and I remember Gabby and I worked in the same research project and we kind of both left the research project eventually I graduated and she left the project and after that we kind of just lost touch and I was going through Um, graduate school applications and I was getting very overwhelmed it was a lot I was doing it all on my own (laughs) but and so I as I was finishing them up I remembered Gabby and I was like oh I need a I'm gonna set up a time to talk with Gabby to see what her experience was like and so I we meet at Mozart's which is a coffee place here in Austin and I talked to Gabby and she just like re-energized me because she was so real. She was just like, oh yeah, people are telling you this, this, and this. Mm. Think about it this way. And then, so it was just so, it was so, I, I want to say just a lot of energy that I was getting that I had lost throughout the process of those applications mm-hmm. that because Gabby, we have some similarities in our background. She was able to, I guess, talk to me about how it worked for her and how I shouldn't, I should be careful to what I listen to and, and filter out the stuff, the information that I'm getting. So the, the relationships with people who understand you are so important. And I don't Such know. A, yeah. yeah. I don't know if I would have, how I would have felt after if I hadn't spoken to Gabby. <laughs> Yay, Gabby. Yay. It was, I'm glad that it, I thought I forgot about that. Yeah, we met and we were talking. And then I, after a while, when I, when I left that conversation, I was like, hopefully I wasn't like negative, you know? I felt like I was. Uh, oh, no. I thought it was real, positive. Like, be helpful. Yeah. I, I thought it was positive. I left, I got in my car. I'm like, okay, I can do this. Let me finish the <laughs> applications. <laughs> yeah. Nice, nice. That's the thing. You just need someone in your corner right who gets it who and 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 the whole process is such a it's gonna be a bad phrase just heads up but such a mind fuck right like the whole process from yeah the whole process interviewing and throughout grad school um essays right like that they have you i think it 
you know, what yeah. about all this shit you have to put out there about your story to make it. And, and the things that people will recommend that you put out there about your life and your personal story mm -hmm. and to make you feel like you almost earn a place in the academy. Um, yeah, and you feel that like, way. It's just- You feel that way, it's like <laughs> I like your choice of words, Desi. <laughs> So yeah, so how important, I guess, like the underlying message is like how important it is to have um, networks like this and build community with other um, folks um, who have similar backgrounds or for me, people, of, you know, generally people of color or folks with different marginalized identities, like it's interesting because it feels like um, we would always, like, throughout my stages of life, have always, like, found each other, right, like, um, especially in grad school, it's like, we all kind of, like, <laughs> um, grouped together, because we could support each other, right, around our marginalized identities, um, whatever those might be, um, and, and those experiences in predominantly mainstream spaces, right, um, which is cultures just aren't, aren't, you know, where it's not our culture, so it's just a different way of needing to relate that you have to figure out or you have to have someone coaching you on the way because you're just going to be like, what is happening? And you might internalize that as like, I messed up. I don't belong here. I shouldn't be here. Or I, you know, I said the wrong thing or I said it the wrong way or, oh, me salió el acento, right? My accent, I showed up my accent too much or, you know, whatever. Um, whatever those, whatever shows up when you're in those spaces that are, is other, and you're made to feel like it's other. Yeah, I think um, I was I was talking to Josie about uh, something recently, and I was like, "Oh yeah, that time grad school, and I was in the dark place, right? Because I had to mask my accent for so long and my appearance. Uh, I was very discouraged to, you know, have curly hair and uh, things like that, right? And so it's it's interesting." what um that can do to you and to your identity and then having to undo all that um afterwards um but i think in continuing with the story too um then after we all connected um just and i continued to hang out after all these projects we worked together at coffee shops and met and all this and i think we were at radio again when we were having a conversation about life at that moment and then we start talking about career yeah, transition starting, yeah transitioning career I was in a research career I had been there for five six years um shit was going down in my own organization that was really um difficult for me um and a, a lot of us not just me quite a bit of us like I think at that first round five or six of us left and then quickly after more and more people left <clears throat> so it was a pretty difficult situation at my organization and I was just like I don't know what to do <laughs> I don't know what to do I, I did not want to like I didn't want to give up the work I had done and I didn't want to also like just join any organization like I'm still like healing from that experience like it was like grad school which was traumatizing and then this experience I had which was a beautiful experience for most of the part and then towards the end it's not really freaking miserable and um and then i was just like uh you know i don't know so it's like we were just talking it's like do we want to like what do we think about starting private practice or like mm -hmm. um what would that look like because i was what would that look like at the same transition that you were where i had wanted 
you know, to continue in academia. And it was at that point that I realized like that was not where I needed to be and having to also process, you know, some, some stuff that happened and, um, and not being in a healthy, not being in a healthy environment, work environment. Right. Yeah. And so we were both like, there's something, we have to do something about it. Um, and so we talked about kind of be passing like the city of private practice and maybe we should check it out and mm-hmm. find some courses <laughs> to see. Yes. Yeah, so and then we, we found, I don't remember if you found it, Gabby, but you found like, Gabby found us like a workshop, right? So it's like, it's part of this workshop. It's about starting private practice by another private practice here in Austin, right? They train other people who want to do private practice. Shout out to them. They do, they do a great job. It was right? a great workshop. Yeah. It's a great workshop. They're called yellow chair counseling. Mm-hmm. Right? chair they're a whole nother um, but they're predominantly led by white women right and so we go to, we, we go on a saturday it was like a whole day saturday at the library library downtown the brand new library which is beautiful it is so, beautiful so beautiful mm-hmm. so we spent the whole day there and then we're like at, we had already started looking at possible office spaces like i had i was just doing like while the kids napped Robert would drive me, right, we would just drive around and look at office spaces and the boys would be, because that's the only way we could get them to nap was to drive them around on the weekends. So we would drive them around and we'd be looking, oh, and then I'd take pictures and send them to Gabby, right? So we go to this workshop and on the break, we're like, I, I think we can do this, right? And Gabby's like, I think we can do this. I was like, there's this office space, let's go look at it. <laughs> she was ready. <laughs> We were ready. So we're like, we're like, Jude, if all these people can open open their private practices, right, which are mostly run by by white women, um, then like we can do it too. Like, why wouldn't? Why can't we do it, right? Like, what the fuck? This this is, and then we had like this book, a little workbook. We're like, okay, we need step one, step two. <laughs> so we we did an appointment right after. So we like, workshop. no, we called right. I called yeah. the and I was like hi we're just wondering blah 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 and the man's like um oh I can't I'll be there this afternoon if y'all want to come we're like oh or our workshop is at four <laughs> like that's how it happened we didn't, our husband had an idea that this was happening we didn't have a conversation with them and then we just went to look at the space and we love that the yes. space. <laughs> and then we look at the space and we're like okay we'll take it <laughs> Because he said, like, really? oh, yeah, they were like, this is a competitive space, so think about it. I have somebody else interested, and we're like, we'll take it. Yeah. That's this. Like, <laughs> is this. Is this for prickly pears now? Yeah. Is yeah. it? Yeah. Wow. And yeah. I have a photo yeah. of that day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And we, can, we were in the parking lot, and we're like, are we really doing this? Can we? Do we have? Yeah. Okay, let's just do it. We sent our information and the woman that also wanted the office had sent hers an hour after we did. Yes. We got the right. office. Yes. And so we talked to his, uh, our landlord and he's also a PhD. Mm-hmm. So like, oh, you know, oh, we're psychologists. And he's like, oh, like, yeah, we're PhDs. He's like, you're PhDs, you're minority women. It would be amazing to have you in my office space, blah, 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 blah. Right. Like he was super excited to have more PhDs. And he's like, he's around to the office building he's like no phd no phd no phd none of these people have phds you guys have like he was going off (laughs) yes yes we love you we're in okay we can do this we can take the office of this like it's fine and so we signed the contract like 
It was so fail. And like, then the next day. carpet with the blue blinds, it was fade though. It, was, oh, really? it was royal blue. Yes. That thing. It was so ugly. I don't remember You've only why, been there once? but I've been there once. Yeah. Oh, I, hilarious. You I don't remember why once? I went. You went oh, man. with me. So what happened, like we set all this up, right? So like there's we start decorating and thinking about all this stuff oh, and like so meeting their building furniture, all of this. And then, um, you know, we were talking about the different things we wanted to do. And I think you and I met at the office when um, you were applying to grad school. So I like, talk about some stuff. Honestly, I don't remember. I don't remember. But I'm going met. to trust you. <laughs> but you went there. I think you went like a couple of times. Did you, you didn't go to our anniversary, like our pesito that we had? I don't think so. Oh. I don't think I invited a lot of people. We Just had the one that is in charge of this part of the park. I love this part. We had a full open house. It was amazing. We had it catered. It was the pictures were beautiful. It was great. And then we had a year later, we had it like a cafecito. And of course, this too, we would have had a new, like something for our new office because we've now, since then, added another suite. So we have two full suites. Um, and so we would have had something this year, but not COVID. <laughs> Went to, uh, our festive everything. Yes. Um, so, so then what happened? Um, I think we were talking about this was 2018 we, when we opened. Mm -hmm. So we had been working on this since like maybe May of 2018. May? We yeah. went to LRC actually that year. Um, mm -hmm, that's right, we did. And back in New York. Yeah, we went back to New York. We did that. And then in coming back, uh, we started thinking about creating a team. Um, that's when Raisley joined mm -hmm. us in December. And shortly after, because I didn't know, God, and you were applying to grad school, so I didn't want to add stuff to your That's right, yeah. Guys. I was like, I, you know, I don't know that if, if we should ask, but I was like, I, I know someone that I think would be a great fit for our team. And then we contacted Karen to join our team um, as the social media manager. Yes. And, uh, and that's how I met Josie. Yeah. Yay. That's how we met. When you she was the only one there during the brunch when I got there and I had not met her yet. I was, <laughs> I was so nervous. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> what am I going to say? That's right. That's right. Yes. Um, and then we've had, since then, we have also we added Anna. Um, who's our billing specialist? Um, Ken Jasmine, who's our Jasmine, um, and now new our new Ruth, our new postdoc. Um, and then we just hired an admin too, who will be starting um, in a couple weeks. So yeah. yay, we're growing. Mm -hmm. And I think I think the reason why we is so important to us is because of what we were talking about earlier, right? Like we each have had experiences where like being the only one needing to like really work like it's work right to like find other people who can be supportive to you find your network of people pull them in right nourish those relationships um and then you know connect right and reach out and then do that for others i think that's the key is like mm -hmm. always doing that for others and for me i feel like this just because we're in private practice part of me was like oh man i'm gonna, we're gonna move to private practice we're gonna lose that and it's like no we can just recreate that here mm -hmm. right have a space where we're supporting 
community, right? Each other. We have Ruth that lives in Houston. We've got people through social media contacting us from all over. You know, we have chingonas all over, right? That we can connect with and how important that is to still provide that support and that offer that community. Um, and that's what we're hoping to do with this podcast again, right? Where we can like build community in this way. And so it's just a different a different way of um, that we've transformed, but like I think we realize that we can still do it this way. We can still use the platform. It doesn't have to be like head down. We're just in our private practice doing, you know, our seeing our clients, right? No, we can build our network of uh, and be a pass through even for other Latinas or people of color that like need a place like here in Austin that's predominantly white um, in terms of the mental health field that need a place to like land for a little bit. I mean, maybe they don't want to stay with us forever. Maybe they just want to come land for a minute, fill out private practice and then, you know, build their own thing going forward. And like us, we're totally down with that, right? Like it's, it's more of, I don't know how you'd say it, but it's more of like um, a springboard or a place for folks to like get support and feel supported through that process. Yeah. Um, so it's not, it is a scary thing, right, to do private practice, but that it's not another barrier, right, mm -hmm. that folks don't see themselves in private practice owners, so then they don't do it. You know what I mean? Um, so. um, and Jose, you made me think, too, that, um, you know, we both came from, I think, very traditional, you know, um, in regards to career, like, I think, very traditional programs, and, like, we knew what, um, you know, in clinical psych or community psych, right? Like they set this path that you should follow mm -hmm. if you want to be quote unquote successful. And right. I think that, you know, for those of us that love research or that love other pieces that you usually think you need to be linked to an institution for, right. um, which was my idea. That's the whole reason why I wanted a tenure track position because I thought I couldn't do research outside of that. Um, and so also showing folks that there's, Academia and those some of those traditional routes are one option, yes. and there's all other way that you can there are other ways. Yes, feel well-rounded and do the things that feel good, whatever that looks like. Right, that could be industry, private practice, clinical work, research, community organizing, consultation, so yeah, consultation, nonprofit teaching. work, for-profit work, mm -hmm. teaching, yeah, yeah. You said that Gabby again another first I think you were the first person that I had known of that was doing both like academia and then research on the side so I was I was like wow I didn't know you could do that so it was until then that I was like I looked into it and and saw more options than just oh I need to go into research now I'm gonna on my my third year of school because then I'm gonna have to apply to grad school and stay in academia for a while but yeah yeah that's one one path right that's mm -hmm. one way there are others and i think academia especially grad school they're they're acculturating you into the academic culture mm -hmm. they're preparing that's what they're preparing you for right it's all about getting you up to the next level of postdoc and then a tenure track position right but when you're like for me i didn't wasn't aware of that system i was just mm -hmm. in it I was just like, okay, that's the next thing I do. And then that's the next thing I do. I wasn't like similar to you got in. It was like, you do this now. I, I missed my opportunity to do grad, uh, to do research in my undergrad because I was working full time um, and doing, doing school full time, but I had a full time eight to five job. 
Um, and so I didn't realize until my senior year, they're like, oh, you're supposed to do all this research. I was like, right. And then I had to make a living. So in my math, that's why I went for my master's program that was a research psychology program. And I was only able to quit my job because I got a, I got my mentor at that time had me apply for a fellowship and I got a fellowship. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the first time my master's program was the first time I was ever actually able to go to school without a career without like I was an administrative assistant I went to full office job and and I just was doing what I had to do because I didn't know I didn't have anyone in my network to support me through that um and so finally I was like oh wait there's like a whole like there's a whole system here playing out right like you get a career I just listened to a podcast and they're talking about like you know is college the track to go right like to be more mindful of like it's a system to make lots of money it's a profit right like so like knowing like I didn't know any of that right I didn't realize that grad school was preparing me for a tenured position for academia right you don't get classes in opening a private practice you don't get classes that you like you don't get any of that you get academic classes um, so it's important to be able to, I think, as early on as possible, start to, like, ask questions like you did, right? Talk to people to, like, explore what are other ways that this I, can be, this can look, you know? Right. And I think that goes back to what Gabby was saying earlier, how when she describes the stark place of what she wanted others or others were telling her to be during this time, and that's what you have to do even when you're considering to apply to these programs they tell you exactly what to say that persona that you should be so when they get your application you meet you're like a you match everything that they need so you can even be in the program and that's just it's very confusing yeah and i think that you know i wasn't aware uh, when I came to college, I came on scholarship from Mexico, and um, I wasn't aware what my rights were as an international student. So I was told that I couldn't work and I couldn't do, you know, a, a lot of things uh, that now I know I could have done. And so because I couldn't work, I had to volunteer my time um, and pay for credit hours to do research, uh, which I had no idea how it worked. And so... Um, which I don't regret because I think it got me some community, but um, I think it would have been helpful to know that. Um, and then for me, the decision of going to grad school, if I'm being completely honest, it was about staying in the country because there wasn't a mechanism for me to stay, um, you know, longer. And I already was in a long-term relationship. I was invested in my studies. So I had to decide to go to grad school and get a fellowship if I wanted to continue to investigate who I wanted to be and what I wanted to do. Um, so I think that's, um, that gives you like this very almost like tunnel vision of what you need to do. Um, and it almost makes you feel like, well, not almost, it makes you feel very stuck because then, you know, things happen where I think I could have had the option to switch programs, but you're so afraid of, fucking up the system and then oh, yeah. everything right because for me that's your like, big no-no yeah so and people would say too like <laughs> well you know for you like you could switch programs and it wouldn't be a big deal and i'm like no but like that could fuck my visa <laughs> and like 
that would not be a good situation. Yeah. Um, I wanted to make sure that I was following all the rules for that. Um, and I still have oh, my and I think home and I wanted the option to either stay or go depending on what things were, but I hadn't had a chance to explore that yet. So. I think part of the, I mean, the rules, right, is part of the, the culture of like mainstream culture is like you have to show up and be this way and, you know, leave your hoops at home and leave your red lipstick at home and like, and, you know, you've got to, you've got to show up and be in this white mainstream culture the way that is acceptable to them or you won't make it, right? And so I remember, you know, getting those messages really early on, but then you're confused, like, uh, what is happening? Because <laughs> no one's like, no one unless they're the grad students or my mentor, Julia, would tell you that, right? Like, would tell you that, or you're us, right? And we'll tell you all the things you need to know. Um, but for the most part, like, if you had white mentors, you like, it's just a confusing thing because you're getting feedback on your evaluations that are semester every semester on just how you're showing up and how you're looking and how your hair is brushed and like all this shit right that you're like whoa wait you know what the hell mm -hmm. and so it's super 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 confusing i'm glad we're together and we can support each other and still heal from that craziness for um, others right support others who are considering going this route and build community i think i think it's a thinking of like how we're building community here with our practice but also virtually right supporting i have a network of I have networks of folks of, that we stay connected with, right? Um, I have a network of folks from my old job. I say people from grad school, like, I just try to stay connected with people because they were super important to me during those times, right? And they're still super important to me now um, when different, it's just, you know, life happens, shows up in a different way. I'm not in a in a predominantly white space, but a lot of my colleagues are, right? And so we can talk, right? And I feel like being out of it, I can help, like I can be a little bit more grounded and help support, right? Because even though we might have other stressors, we don't have that particular, <laughs> that particular dynamic, which is, which is huge, which is huge, right. just it's stressful. And I think hard. we're even put back, right? Like we're both like, oh no, this is not <laughs> what we do no more. Like this is not, this is not it. Um, and I think, you know, I mean, we'll have a whole episode on, on grad school and, and all that. Cause I think there's, there's a lot of stuff to talk about there. So much more. So much more. Um, that will have a trigger warning, but, um, I think, you know, we have created those communities, those people that are, you know, fuel us and that we can be real and have very open conversations with, and that is key. In, cre in creating any space, I think, that is going to be mm -hmm. kind of protected. So, like, what we wanted to do in the practice. And we have, like, I think therapists in the community, researchers that are friends, you know, uh, everybody that I think we connected with was very intentional. Um, and we've created the space. That I've always been, yeah, that's one thing I've always been intentional about. Like, it's really important for me to... Um, to be specific on who I, this is going to sound awful, but who I spend my energy on or who, you know, like it, it just is. And so I have like my die hard friends and my colleagues that I still talk to on a regular basis that works it is because like, you know, life is too short. And there's my mentor used to say that life is too short. We would go to conferences and she'd be like, Mia, just do your presentation and go, go take the rest of the day off. Life is too short. <laughs> yes, totally. <love> you. Okay. <laughs> But 
Yeah. So it's like, you know, being, being, I think it's important to be intentional, right. For us to build this network. And I think, um, as to be able to have these conversations and support one another and, and build a network where we're by and for, right. We're by women of color for women of color. Like we're clear on our website and in all the work that we do, that that's, that's what we do. That's what we're here for. Um, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And it's needed. Yeah. And I think in and of itself, at least for me, I can say it's been healing. Um, cause I think I had those communities and I had those conversations, but I never seen it in practice, like a hundred percent, um, how we are doing it now, both in the practice, but also in, in the way that we're connecting with each other. I would also describe it as healing and also uncomfortable because I'm transitioning from that, uh, primarily white institution. So I've had to have a lot of thoughts with myself about, oh, why, why am I thinking this way? Or why does this work make me so anxious? But because I'm having to, I'm on the stage where I'm having to unlearn some stuff. And uh, so to me, it's been uncomfortable, but also healing at the same time. Yeah. Um, I think we were talking about this, Josie, yesterday. Yeah. Um, We were saying that we need to have like a whole space where we talk about um, that evolution that we can have as people and, um, you know, link that to some of the cancel culture stuff that we see that might not be super helpful, but there has to be that space for us to unlearn and to let go and heal from everything that we've been through. Um, so we can undo and actually show up as our authentic selves in our relationships and in our community and having honest, open conversations about what that entails. It's just uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah, we're here for you, got in. So anything mm-hmm. thank you. talk about where <laughs> you're, you're like, awesome. oh, yeah. you're like, oh, damn, Josie, why are you taking so long to get back to me on email? <laughs> <laughs> I feel yes, like sir. it's usually me. <laughs> I'm used to like boom, boom, right? But that, like, that's the way my supremacy shows up for me is like, dude, like that linear, you do this, do this, that, that, right? And so like being a little bit more like, let's just check in with each other, more fluid versus like, yeah, and sometimes I'm like, oh wow, I didn't, I didn't know this was a thing. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I didn't know this was a problem. I thought I was being very organized and detailed, and <laughs> yeah. nope. and we're like, God, and you're being too organized and detailed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Hey, so before we wrap up, I think it'd be fun. I want to talk a little bit about our logo. So we had the prickly with prickly pear therapy and training. Um, and we, uh, when I, we were thinking about doing this thing, I think we had already bought our, our, our signed our lease, but I was at, I want to do a shout out to Dr. Rebecca Rodriguez. Um, her and I were at a, um, we used to do research together and we were at a meeting, right? And I was like, you know, I was at a meeting, but I knew I was transitioning out. So I was just like, kind of like, okay, what are some thoughts about <laughs> my new business, <laughs> name, our new business? And so we were like, man, we wanted something like we, I think Gabby and I were trying like brainstorming different ideas of like something that is Latina, um, that has like, has symbolism for who we are. Right. And the nopal, right. The cactus is like, especially regional in this part of the country. Um, and with Chicano artists, you see a lot of the nopal, the cactus on art. Like you see that, you see it, like we, we drove, back from our campsite and it was like no you know prickly pear prickly pear beautiful right and so it's like very I think 
um, in the, it's very cultural yeah. in that way for us, right? And so um, we, I was like, what's that? Oh, a nopal, a cactus, right? We're thinking about all the things, the symbols, right, for that we've seen in our art. And then I was like, prickly pear. Yes, right? So there's a Gabby, we sit like pictures and we're like, yes, 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 prickly pear, because it's like subtle, right? Like you get it and it's not like, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so then we're like prickly pair therapy training. And then um, my friend, Rebecca, her daughter does, uh, was doing like a class. Her daughter's 12 and was doing a graphic design. And had, she had bought her like a, a tablet with the pencil. So the logo is from her daughter. That mm-hmm. is awesome. I didn't yeah. know the story. <laughs> yeah. Yes. She's so talented. Know. So talented, so talented. So Rebecca likes to do like design stuff on the side. Of course, she's like a full researcher, but she like would just dabble in it. She's like, I'll play with it. I'll send you some colors. So she sent us colors and helped us develop the logo and her daughter drew it. And so that's shout out to them. Um, And they live in Atlanta, Georgia. Thank you all so much. Um, And then our podcast, we had a team meeting and we were playing around with ideas and Raisley. Mm-hmm. who works with us is also a clinician here um in austin she came up with a she was like oh where's what were you thinking like the prickly, the sofa, prickly tea, i think prickly, the prickly tea. tea yeah prickly tea. something um and like then different like, oh prickly couch. she's like what about the prickly couch we're like yes and then god and you developed the logo for our yeah. podcast which was beautiful i love it and we thank all you thank you that one we so, love yeah, it yeah. <laughs> okay. so we just wanted to share our that history because i think it's important for us to document it right and give credit to to those who've been part of our journey oh and then my old boss is a photographer yeah. so she took these pictures of prickly pears and she's in nevada we know nevada so our, our um office is full with art her photography ruby white star um her photography is all up in my our office and our um, website and our website so that's oh really wow so it's been really cool because talking about building community we've had so much and then santi gabby's brother does our editing for the podcast and did our photos oh yeah (laughs) so like we've had a community of course our our partners have been building furniture and i at one point i had uncle ambrose doing something in the office I'm pretty sure it feels like it was a a labor of love like everybody was like a very community based project it's been a very Latina project (laughs) yeah everybody uh, my sister came from Panama I had her setting up our whole our second office my sister (laughs) from San Antonio was coming and helping like (laughs) we've had everybody Everybody. so it's a family business (laughs) everybody's involved either behind the scenes or up front um so thank you everybody shout out to all of our familia (laughs) have been supporting us everybody yeah it's been a labor of love and it's been great so far Um, it has it has and we'll keep doing our work Mm -hmm. and now uh somebody recently told me that it is a play on words because it is a prickly pear and we are uh, psychologists, so we're a prickly pair of women. So I was like, oh. My so like, you did that intentionally, right? I'm like, sure, why not? <laughs> <laughs> of course. 
<laughs> my yes. and mind blown. And now I'm not going to be able awesome. to like unsee that. I was just like prickly pear <laughs> as a pear. Yeah. <laughs> so. Love it, love it. Well, that's our story, how we all come together. That's our story. Yay, us. Yeah. So um, I know we wanted to transition. No? Do we want to do our, our new thing? Yeah. We're thinking the first couple episodes we would do either like a chingona corner where we highlight um and another amazing chicon chicona chingona chicon chingon chingona chingon or chinex <laughs> <Chinoni>. <laughs> yes so um the chingones corner right to uh, to be inclusive um and so we'll either do that every session or we'll do like um we can call it something else and people can give us ideas but what we highlight like a business um that is um uh, run by a person of color um so this week we're going to um for our chingones corner um we're gonna highlight dr delita sanchez dr delita sanchez is a professor um who got tenure which is like a huge process Huge other process, um, but uh, we'll talk we'll talk about that later. But she got um, tenure at UT um, University of Texas Austin, which is a top tier research institution. Um, I think she was one, maybe the first, for sure, the first Afro Latina to get mm-hmm. tenure in her department. Awesome. First Black woman to get tenure in department. Don't quote me, but I'm, she's a first of many. Mm-hmm. Um, she's in the Department of Ed Psych um, is a counseling psychologist. She teaches um, Latinx psychology, multicultural psychology. It's been an honor to um, go in and do guest lectures for her in her class. Um, She's a um, researcher, so she does research around sexual health, specifically in um, the Latinx community um, and the Black community um, here in Austin. Um, So looks at sexual health um, behaviors and the intersections of um, different cultural identities. We do that um, participatory action research project with um, youth from middle school, which is really amazing. Um, so she's a chingona. We want to make sure that we shout out to her. Um, look her up. If you're a student out there looking for possible future mentors, um, she's uh, amazing. I can't speak enough about her. Um, and she would be an amazing mentor um, to folks thinking about coming in and going to graduate school in counseling psychology. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, anything, y'all know, uh, Gabby, you know her too. Anything you would add? Um, well, I also, I, I think you talked about this, um, but she's a counselor, counseling, counseling psychologist. So she had her private practice in New York. Um, mm-hmm. And I think she does a lot of interesting work around mental health outside the research um, area. Um, mm-hmm. And she's a pleasure to work with. Um, yeah, she's awesome. She rocks. I knew about um, Dr. Sanchez. I think as a postdoc um, before I met her personally. And oh, I remember. Oh, wait. I remember when you were going to meet her and you were nervous. Uh, oh, my God. That's awesome. Um, and I was friends. So, um, and I was all, Gabby, she's just human. She's fine. She's, but that's the other thing. We get all starstruck because there's not many of us, right? And you yes. have 
like you read people's bios and you're like holy shit they're amazing right um but i remember yes <laughs> uh, i was like she's just a person she's good we're fine, we're fine. fine. We got it. she'll be okay she's okay it's okay um so yeah she's she does okay. a lot of awesome work and i know she's um, been a big part of uh, some of the initiatives of the national latinx psychological association doing a lot of work around afro latinidad um within the organization and um, some of the research that they've been leading. Mm-hmm. Um, she's oh, and she's um, she's going to have a special issue that comes out in the Journal of Latinx Psychology around um, Afro Latinos, um, the first time ever. So she's been the editor of that. She's been spearheading that. I remember when she wrote up the proposal for that to get that proposed, and then she's partnered with another a couple other people. But um, she's pretty amazing. So we'll have her in a future um, episode. Yeah. Yay. Yay. Well, thank you for joining us all. Um, we will continue these conversations in a couple of weeks. Um, we will be posting a little bit more about what's to come. Um, but we know that we have the election in about a month, actually. So we'll be talking mm-hmm. about ways to take care of ourselves during that time, things to consider. Um, and it's also domestic violence. Uh, prevention month and so we'll be having a special episode on that um, and having some conversations about what that means um, prevention and some resources out there that can be helpful for folks that are undergoing violence right now yeah looking forward to it all right y'all have a good night take care Bye. Bye.